0: All right, you're back in the DFSR on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is... James Davis. And we are back in a post-Christmas day, pre-week 17, game-by-game look um, at the last week of the regular season for the NFL, which is always... I mean, there's a lot of tricky times in, in different sports you know, projection kind of worlds, then, you know, sometimes yeah, a post-trade deadline for NBA. You think of one, baseball doesn't have any, that sport never changes really. But, um, <laughs> so forget that sport, but football week 17, do you find, I mean, you, you've really, you're really caught up on this, but like the motivation piece, it, it's just all over the place this week. Right. Like, and we just, this happens every year, but it's just, we walk into a week that is really just kind of unlike anything else that really happens in any other sport.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I don't totally always understand. Like I, like, I understand the teams that have something to play for. Like, the Ravens are going to sit everyone this week, which makes perfect sense, right? There, there's nothing going on whatsoever. But when people start talking about, like, ooh, what are the Browns going to do this week with their skill guys? It's like, well, they've just been out of it. So, like, why, right. why are we... Or, like, the Bengals, you know? Like, has anything changed? Like, why would they magically start sitting people right now? And those are the teams I find the most difficult. Um, I think the teams you can safely project our, the teams with something to play for, and the teams that have been out for quite a long time, but sometimes those teams in the middle kind of throw us for a loop. So yeah, it'll be a, it's always a wild ride this week 17, after the faint of heart.
0: That's a, yeah, that's a good point, because like, there are a lot, of like, you know, you look at the, the Giants and the Redskins last week, they just kind of battled to the death, even though, it, actually, they're, they're both doing it the wrong way, because they both should have been trying to lose, and for their own draft picks, but then, you know, they can't. Sometimes these football players, even if the teams are bad, you can't stop, and that's just really not how a lot of organizations want to run anyway. It's kind of like, well, we're going to keep trying. We've been bad the whole year, but let's let's keep our foot on the gas. And there's definitely teams like that. I think there's also motivations around keeping. You know, we'll talk about these as we go through the games. Keeping other teams out of the playoffs. You know, that's kind of like a certain teams Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, if the you know if if you were the Giants, you can keep the Eagles out or whatever. Um, you know, that's kind of the way it's going to roll. I think teams can kind of carry that mantle for one final week leading into the playoffs or leading into the what's ultimately going to be their off season. So uh, we'll go through these games and we'll kind of talk about where each team lands and whether they're fantasy viable or not. We did not do a cash game podcast this week, so we can also will nod to who our cash game plays are uh, throughout the podcast as well. Sometimes we do those separately, but because of the holiday, we're going to kind of pile it all together here. The first game is Chicago and Minnesota. Um, Minnesota is a one-point home favorite. Uh, this this game really, to me, strikes me as uh, kind of nothing to see here, um, but maybe you see something different. There's been questions around the running back situation. Uh, Mike Boone obviously crushed people's fantasy hearts last week after no one had ever heard of him, and then he was bad, <laughs> and, ever, and he was started in every single finals uh, of, of, the, of the season-long fantasy playoffs <laughs> um, and was just bad. But walk me through Minnesota here, the running back situation, and then if, you, if there's anything I don't know, from a fantasy perspective that you find viable here.
1: Not really. I think the Minnesota running backs we saw last week that even if Boone gets the nod as the number one running back here, it's not necessarily a sure thing. And Alexander Madison right now is a bit, has been a limited pra- participant in practice. So I think if he's out there, you just get a real, a real quagmire. I mean, unless Madison were going to get the strict RB1 duties, then I suppose you could think about it. He is very, very cheap this week. But, yeah, I don't think you're going to play Cook returning from injury. I don't think you want to run Boone out there given that he's not even that cheap anymore, and you can get actual, like, decent running backs at a very similar price point. So, yeah, I think you're going to cross off the Vikings altogether. And on the bear side, I mean, what what DFS value have they returned all season? I, I have a hard time thinking of any at all. Uh, some people will take a shot in big tournaments on guys like, you know, Allen Robinson or Anthony Miller, but neither of those is particularly reliable, especially for cash games, so... This game is looking pretty close to a skip here.
0: Yeah, Trubisky still has conversion issues. I think he was 18 for 34 last week. They couldn't really get anything going on the run game <coughs> on the ground. So uh, it's Robinson sees a lot of targets, saw 12 targets last week, um, and has been a pretty highly targeted guy. It's just that he just had unfortunately has Trubisky throwing to him. So um, I think in the end the, the total is pretty low here. I don't think we see really all that much ownership on this game at all. Now a game I think we might see some ownership on, Uh, is atlanta and tampa bay uh tampa bay is one and a half point home favorites here the over under is 47. i believe that's the highest of the week uh let me just look real quick yeah no excuse me it's second highest uh second highest total of the week here two teams nothing to play for but two teams like you mentioned at the top that really haven't had much to play for for a while now and have had no problem sort of leaning on their core guys uh then you know for atlanta that's we'll talk about it's about the freeman and julio jones and then, for, and then for Tampa Bay, it's the Jameis interception show and also kind of getting there every week on the price. Talk to me about you know where our exposure is going to be in this
1: game. Sure. So I think for starters, Chris Godwin listed as questionable right now. I'd be shocked if he suited up this week. which uh, was just absolutely nothing to pay, play for and, and being such a big building block for the future for this team, uh, which will leave the receiving duties pr- primarily to Brashad Perryman and Justin Watson. Perryman now... Very expensive after being good once again. Nice call by you, by the way. You know, trying to slot him in over Edelman last week. I, the opportunity was absolutely there, and he certainly looks like a mid seven thousand dollars receiver right now. And I don't know if that's just because become too expensive. I don't know what your opinion is there, but uh, that that price is at least a little bit intimidating. But if you go down the line a little bit, I think Justin Watson's pretty interesting at sixty one hundred. He saw ten targets against Houston, turned that into five catches for forty three yards. And a touchdown. Uh, that's a, a pretty good rate, right? Sixty-one hundred dollars for ten targets for a team that's shown a great ability to generate yards and touchdowns through the air. So I, I don't know what you think about these 10th Bay receivers, but they're at least interesting.
0: Watson really probably should have had three touchdowns if we're being if we're being really aggressive. It's three, and he at least probably should have had two touchdowns. He Jameis completely overthrew him on two very pretty much wide open throws <laughs> toward the end zone. One was in the end zone. He overthrew him. One was he was way way past uh, the D back and he got overthrown. So I'm not totally clear he would have scored on that, but either way, this game looks this game should look a lot better for, than the five for 43. And then the touchdown was easily the hardest catch of the game for him. <laughs> but luckily, mm-hmm. luckily he got there. I like them both. Watson, I would definitely go back to Perryman. I think you can just safely give Perryman like 10 targets. I, I think that's just if we just look at how they've used Evans and how they use Godwin in the past, and then the amount of the amount of times this team throws the ball. I think a 10 target, I mean, maybe even higher for Perry minutes, which sounds crazy. Cause again, this is not a guy we had talked about at all going into before last week. Really? Um, I think you could be really aggressive on both these guys. The Jameis interception thing is hilarious. I, he's uh, coming close to the record. You have to assume they, they just do every game like this. He throws interceptions, they get down and then they, he ends up with 300 to 400 passing yards. And it's just great. It's a really, it's a truly singular experience to, to watch this guy play every week. And then, so I think, I think all these guys are viable. And then on the Atlanta side, since Calvin Ridley's gone down, they have just – Julio Jones has 35 targets in the last two weeks. He's a 20-target week and a 15-target week. I, he gets a very difficult matchup here with the cornerback. He's going to get shadow covered. But, I mean, the, where do we set Julio Jones' targets at? Because he's seeing, like these – are, these are, like, two of the most targeted weeks that we've seen in the entire NFL back-to-back this week for Jones. And there's, like, a – a definite reason why it's Calvin Ridley's not there anymore. Uh, What are your thoughts here on him and Cash?
1: I'm a little bit cautious with Julio this week. I mean, we've seen him, first of all, absolutely blitz Tampa Bay many, many times in the past. It didn't quite get there uh, when he played against them earlier this season. He only saw 10 targets for five catches in 68 yards. But we've seen those like 17 to 20 target games against them, and and we know that's at least in play here. Uh, The thing that concerns me about Jones, though, is the shoulder piece. Uh, well, it's a combination of the shoulder and the knee. So he was a limited participant early in the week and non-participant on Wednesday. And that gives me some reason for concern. I think when you're going into the final week of the season, I think you want to look at guys who are on teams with something to play for where they're going to go the opposite direction, right? Like they're not going to say, oh, give it a shot in the first quarter and if it's not working, we'll pull you out. So that that's that's my biggest concern with Jones. He's also at sort of an all-time high price Basically, since the beginning of the season, too. So, while he's getting there on the targets, the receptions, the yards, everything looks fantastic on Jones. That little bit of injury news definitely gives me a little bit of pause here.
0: Yeah, he's going to get shadow, he's projected to get shadow covered by Carlton Davis. Um, That's what we'll talk about. Davis is one of the highest rated cornerback, cover cornerbacks in football this season, according to Pro Football Focus. So, Um, I guess if you want to find another sort of reason to ding Jones. And then the last guy is Devontae Freeman. Freeman came out and was really at value through the first two drives of the game in in week 16. Um, He was a pretty popular cash game play. We had him in all of our lineups. He ended up with 13 carries for 53, but then also had 10 targets for 74, uh, for 974 and a touchdown. He's showing up right now, 100% of our lineups on FanDuel at 6,700. And I believe on DraftKings as well. gonna Optimize. What are you, I mean, is this just a guy that we're comfortable just going right back to in terms of the running back situation? Tampa Bay has been something of a funnel defense this season.
1: Yeah, it's a slam dunk play. And again, hats off to you for calling out Freeman last week. I think we had him at 22% ownership or something on DraftKings cash games. And he got there very, very easily. And we saw that. You know, his role is going to be somewhat game script dependent, but he is the number one and only running back in Atlanta. And he's still priced like he's part of this perpetual timeshare that they've had prior to the last couple weeks, basically. And now that he isn't and he's really just out there by himself, I think you could see him continue to put up nice totals. Uh, Tampa Bay is a funnel defense. I tend to think that these teams that are very obviously playing for nothing less. I do think some of that edge comes off defensively as the season goes along. I think it's going to tend to favor a more a fresher guy like Freeman, who hasn't put in the same carries that some of these other running backs have put in this season. So I think Freeman, he's also just flat out cheaper than everyone else who's getting his level of opportunity. So I think he's a very easy cash game play and a guy I'd be happy playing in big tournaments as well.
0: I did, there really is something to me to this running backs who maybe even were injured during the year um, that are coming near the end of the season and. It just – you know, the guys who have taken a pounding week over week and then the other these guys like Freeman, Kenny, and Drake, who like basically essentially didn't play yeah. the first half of the season. Um, I just had oh, – even like Saquon, who like took – essentially took multiple weeks off between being injured and then like sort of still playing injured, so he didn't play full snap counts. And then all of a sudden you see them at the end of the year and it looks like they're just fresh. I know it's not a one-to-one thing, but it really does seem like there's something to that. If like you just you know, were forced to not play or just didn't have the opportunity to play early in the season – by the time you hit week 17 when everyone else is basically you know licking their wounds and waiting for the year to end you when you the running back specifically that hasn't taken that beating feels just feels like they they just look good and freeman um he's the tim bay's number one rushing defense on the season but i'm not i'm really not all that concerned with that i think between the what he's getting the opportunity through the air um uh, this is uh, this is it's a little closer on DraftKings kings on fanduel i think we'll be running him out there Sixty seven hundred is it's a really easy price all right uh, let's talk real quick about Vivid Seats. If you're going to a game, week 17, we got to go, go to the Vivid Seats app and take a look at some of these games. I know we've said this for a couple times on the podcast, but the Vivid Seats app is the best app out there for buying and selling tickets. And right now, if you want to take your kid or a loved one to a football game just for the experience, you just roll down this list of cities where these games, <laughs> season ticket holders, are probably looking to unload some of these guys. Vivid Seats app, use the promo code uh, overtime, just like our network, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. It's going to automatically enroll you into the rewards program and also going to give you up to a $100 back on your first ticket purchase. Download the Vivid Seats app today. It's the best t- ticketing app around Vivid Seats app. Go use the promo code Overtime. Get it now. All right, New Orleans goes and plays Carolina. New Orleans, 13-point uh, road favorites here. New Orleans has locked up a playoff spot, but where do you see their motivations for uh, this week, specifically around getting the, I, I, I think there's still a chance they could come out of this with home field advantage to the playoffs. Um, right, like they're 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 locked in with Green Bay and San Francisco all 12 and three. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this game in where they huge favorites here against Carolina?
1: Yeah, so I think New Orleans' biggest motivation is going to be clinching that first round bye. And they can do that with a win and either a Green Bay loss or a San Francisco loss. So, very much in play. You know, there's no reason at all to believe that that would be some sort of impossibility. And they play at the same time as Green Bay. And I'm trying to find a San no, the San Francisco here. game. No, the San Francisco
0: game is at night. They, at the same, right? they, they flex San Francisco yeah. and Seattle into the Sunday night game.
1: Yep, yep, yep. So, with that being said, they won't know what's going to happen in that San Francisco game. And they really. Need to win this game if they're gonna or win or tie, I guess I could say, because I don't think they have the tiebreakers right now. The only way they clinch home field throughout is if they win in Green Bay and San Francisco lose. But all this to say, the primary thing that you need to understand is that they have every motivation to play their absolute best. So, guys like Kamara, guys like Thomas, Breeze, they're going to be out there for their full allotment of snaps. A first round bye is obviously hugely significant here. Basically, they get to play their first. Play, like if they can get that first round by they get to play their first playoff game against carolina instead of you know whoever they're going to play in the first round of the playoffs right so i think it's it's very obvious that they're going to run them all out there and i think that makes all those guys very interesting place here.
0: Um, Kamara finally finds the end zone twice last week. One was on a longer run, but one yeah, was one was a down and close. That you know they, he doesn't get consistent opportunity down there. They do use Latavius Murray on that one on the, the his second touchdown, which was the shorter the shorter run. It did kind of feel like because he had gotten tackled at the at the basically one inch line. On, a, on, like, from a five yard scamper, and then it did feel like they were kind of saying, Oh, you deserve the touchdown. But but I will caution people to say, because there was some t- talk about this in our chat room last week, which was, Oh, he's due for a touchdown. And I said, Some players are not due for touchdowns. If your team does not use you down by the goal line, you don't get to regress into touchdowns as, as easily as some of these other guys do, right? So he did get into the end zone, and I guess my statement looks incorrect because He scored so, but I don't know. I kind of also wanted to say, yeah, but still, I uh, Kamara's a good play. I mean, do you think you can play Kamara in cash here? Do you think after he gets into the end zone last week, he'll be a play 7,900 on FanDuel? Um, that's I think it's like the seventh most expensive running back. Do you see him at no, sorry, the sixth most expensive running back?
1: Do you see him as a cash play here? I do, yeah. I think there's two factors at work. First of all, you know, it was nice seeing him get those down in close carries last week. And also just the matchup is absolutely outrageously good. Carolina this season ranked dead last in the NFL in not adjusted rushing DVOA. So that leaves them, they're about twice as bad as Jacksonville. And, you know, our favorite test, which is uh, the difference between them and Jacksonville, who's the second worst team, is the difference between Jacksonville and the sixth worst team. So there really is this exponential effect with Carolina just sitting in the absolute basement in terms of being able to defend the run. So uh, with Michael Thomas, he's currently listed as questionable. I believe that he'll play, but I think just more and more incentive to feed Kamara. And I think given that he's still sub 8,000, I mean, yeah, his price has come up about 10% since last week, but it could just come up that much on the matchup alone. And and given that we know he has more red zone opportunity now, I think he's another really, really solid player. Yeah, and Thomas
0: is the other one. So he he sets the single season reception record in like the third quarter of last week's game. So he's... Already, I think I think he's already three over the over Marvin Harrison's record. So any pretty ad- good any additional catches he gets this week is just kind of padding the stat. Um, which I, I mean, this everyone if you look at the top of this list of single season catches, it's basically like Marvin Harrison and then all guys who are basically still playing now, like Michael Thomas, Julio Jones. I'm gonna count Antonio Brown in that group because like he's I don't know. He's probably physically able to play, but there's just the other extenuating circumstances. But it just does make me think that that maybe that record is not going to also last forever, just judging on the recent thing. But that being said, he's set to obliterate it. Do you think that he saw 17 targets last week? Do you think they just, maybe see a cash play? Because I think we are going to end up talking about some of these high-priced wide receivers. I already mentioned Julio Jones. I think I'm going to probably have to ding DeAndre Hopkins here uh, for reasons we'll talk about. But where does Thomas land in this sort of like I don't want to call it must haves, but I find that wide receiver does look a little tricky this week uh, in terms of who I want to pay for. And that's why I'm almost wanting to default to just playing Thomas and Julio Jones and calling it a day.
1: Yeah, I far prefer Thomas to the rest of that group for the simple, well, just for the team's simple motivations. I think that alone and what we saw against Tennessee last week, him garnering 17 targets, which was the season best, I, I think there's no reason to believe that he won't be. In the healthy double digit targets once again this week. So uh yeah, you're paying a little bit of a premium on him, you know, paying up from even guys like Julio Jones. But if you had to pick between the two, I would take Thomas in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah, and then on the Carolina side, um, it's not out of their own possibility that Christian McCaffrey can get this record. Um, I think he needs 200 plus year I'm gonna look at I meant to have this up before we started. I'll look it up as we're
1: going. But yeah, it's like 220 or something. Yeah, so it's like
0: it's it'd be his best game of the season, basically, and it's still sort of there. I don't know how much, from a motivation standpoint, does that matter to you? And then the only other note here is that uh, DJ Moore is in the concussion protocol right now. I'm not sure he cleared concussion protocol yet. Uh, but where does that, where does McCaffrey's possible record stand with you in terms of like that motivational piece? They had no problem giving him the ball a ton last week. Um, both. Yeah, he caught fifteen balls out of right. The so the Will Greer, the Will Greer thing yeah. like didn't seem to matter for him. That makes the team bad. Like as a quarterback, he looked absolutely terrible. But
1: sure, um,
0: he still. McCaffrey touched the ball twenty eight times last week and finished with one hundred and seventy three total yards. Um, do you think we see a similar thing happening this week?
1: Yeah, I think you could see a similar thing happening this week. Carolina also, you know, just a perpetual dumpster fire. The coaching change hasn't changed much for them Uh, they're now on seven straight losses (laughs) and I do think that they're like I, I do put them in the bucket of teams with something to play for between the potential McCaffrey record you know being like a fun thing for their fans and also just ending the season on some kind of high note and I don't think it's very likely that they win here like you said New Orleans just resounding favorites but I do think they'll try their best and I think that that sort of puts McCaffrey in play for me he's more of a big tournament target because he's just so expensive and at least right now I don't see any really solid punt options, but going into the last week of the season, a lot of times those do open up, you know, right at the at the bell. And I think if that happens, you could run McCaffrey out there with a pretty clear conscience, I would say.
0: Yeah, he's two hundred and fifteen yards from the record right now. So again, I, this is like one of the ones you probably just know it by halftime if you're even in striking distance of right. and I think that's that'd be had me a little worried too. Like if it was like a forty yard first half and they're getting killed, then I think that would be that would be the part where I'd be like, oh, this you could really run bad on the McCaffrey thing when they're like, it's just not going to happen. We're getting killed. I think there's like a, there are a few scenarios where that doesn't work out and they, just, they essentially take the second half off. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, and I guess the DJ Moore thing is relevant, if not all that spectacular, because I don't think I want to play DJ Moore with Will Greer as the quarterback. Green Bay, 12-point road favorites here against Detroit, also that in that group uh, with the Niners and the Saints in terms of record and trying to get into the playoffs. Walk me through what you like about this game.
1: Right, so like as I mentioned earlier, Green Bay is definitely one of these teams with something very significant to play for. Uh, they really need to win this. If they do win, they clinch a first-round bye, and there is a chance that they can clinch home field throughout the playoffs. Basically, they just if they win and San Francisco loses, they make it in, and San Francisco does have the tiebreakers. So if they beat Seattle, then they'll get it. But given that San Francisco is by far the toughest matchup of the week of any of these big-time teams, I think you have to assume that Green Bay is just going to go for it. Um, I think you know it's, it's again it's this funny thing where you sort of assume they're going to win, and you sort of assume New Orleans is going to win, and you just don't want to be playing that game of chicken and find yourself playing a first-round game instead of getting a buy. So, you know, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, these guys are all, I think, very interesting cash game inclusions. And actually, I'm curious to know your thoughts about someone say, like Devontae Adams versus Julio Jones. We saw Adams perform pretty poorly in the middle of this season with his injury things over the last couple of weeks. He really bounced back to that status that landed him in the first round pick in, in many fantasy leagues this season. 16 targets, 13 catches, 116 yards. Head to head, do you like Adams or Jones better this week?
0: I probably, probably Adams. And yeah, give me Adams for sure. Uh, it's, it, it, he gets a much better matchup uh, defensively. Like so, like like I said with Jones, like Tampa Bay for all their weirdness this season, their defense is a top. Six, There's six overall in defensive DVOA. And like I said, Jones does draw a very difficult cover corner matchup. Detroit is like the very opposite. They're 29th this season against the pass, 19th against the run. They have leaned on Adams recently. And so I think that that, like, you know, so you just mentioned the 16 targets last week. He had a huge game. Did not find the end zone, but 13 for 116. I think in, like, situations like this, Uh, I want to be aggressive on sort of all these guys. And I'm actually thinking that was going to kind of, I thought you were going to ask about Aaron Jones, about where we set his opportunity. Because, so anyway, he's very comfortable with Adams. I probably, if it's very close to a coin flip, and I'll probably let the, I mean, our numbers will ultimately dictate it. But just from a, you know, feeling good about it standpoint, uh, just the matchup would probably have me leaning Adams. But what are your thoughts on Jones? He carried the ball 23 times last week, or 154 and two touchdowns. Also had uh, three targets to the air. I believe this was his biggest opportunity week, and he did outsnap Jamal Williams in a way that we really haven't seen happen this season. He had 52, uh, 52 of the snaps, and Jamal Williams only had 21. Is he a cash game play? Because 12 point favorites is really the running back zone, and I'm actually, he's the guy that I'm like a little confused about where we set his opportunity.
1: Yeah, it was I, I, confusion is the right word for me as well. Like seeing him jump up to get those 23 carries and turn it into just excess production was a shock to the system in some ways because he and Williams have really been splitting time for most of the season here so he's been very very effective Uh, he's very solid in all aspects of the game when he gets the opportunity it's just that Jamal Williams has been kind of scooting in and scooping some of that from him so I think something like 22 carries and a few targets is a reasonable projection for him we know that he has you know uh, five to eight target upside we did see that earlier this season and if he's really leaning into this pure running back one role like one of the things I wonder about some of these teams that have been doing the running back by committee thing throughout the year is I wonder if they were trying to save their best guys for this time of year I think that is a potential motivation here so given that we saw Jones come out and do it last week once Green Bay starts doing the math and they're thinking about you know these first round buys or home field throughout the playoffs I wouldn't be surprised to see him get out there again and once again as a tiebreaker if I'm looking at trying to figure out who to play, and I'm deciding between, you know, and the prices aren't perfect on these guys, but even Jones and someone like Kenny and Drake, who's going to be everyone's darling, I just know that the opportunity is going to be there for Jones. So that... Motivates me to play him this week.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think I think all I agree with all that, and it kind of lines up with what we've been talking about with some of these other running backs. I get. I'm always a little worried because Jamal Williams being there does mean something. The other thing with yeah. the, the
1: other th- he could lose, he could definitely lose things to Jamal Williams. There's no time. Right, in
0: a way that like you mentioned, Kenny and Drake, which I don't think is going to be is not as risky for Drake, and also Kenny and Drake plays on a much worse team. So I think there's there's all these little things that kind of factor in. To want to do it, I on the Detroit side, I think you can consider the Green Bay Packers defense. So uh, I think we can move on there. I don't. There's nothing really to see on the Detroit side. Jets go in and play Buffalo. I believe Buffalo's playoff destiny is set here, though they have said they're not going to rest any of their starters. But that to me just kind of means we could still just see a couple of, you know, a couple of series, and that's it, right? Like I read, McDermott came out and said we're not going to rest anybody, and. Like I'd be shocked if these guys were playing in the second half. Is that kind of well? It's not
1: like this team contains a lot of exciting DFS options anyway. I think outside of the occasional John Brown or Josh Allen, mostly in big tournaments, we haven't really been that excited about them anyway. So, uh, given that you know John Brown had four targets last week, you're not going to dip into this team uh, for any sort of serious DFS contest outside of maybe just trying to take on that super low ownership in big tournaments.
0: What about Levy and Bell? Touched the ball 29 times last week in a basically meaningless game. Any any (laughs) any thoughts at all on Levy and Bell?
1: Yeah, well, I think we saw what Le'Veon Bell can do against those Steelers. He touched the ball 29 times, couldn't get it up to 100 yards total. Previous week, he had 21 touches for 87 yards total. If Buffalo's not resting, guys, I would assume that means on the defensive end as well, and they've been a very solid defense this year. You're not going to come anywhere near Le'Veon Bell. Like I I mentioned liking Aaron Jones over Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake and Le'Veon Bell are in the same price tier here. Give me Kenyon Drake every time in right. <laughs> this matchup. I, and Freeman is cheaper than Bell. I, I don't see any way he comes close to our cash games. Um,
0: let me talk real quick about CBS Sports HQ. CBS Sports HQ is an app uh, for, it's really kind of just an a la carte. Sports viewing app. So they, not for live games, but for content. So you go into the, it's totally free. You don't need to sign up for anything. There's no promo code. There's nothing to use. You, there's no even account to make. You just download the app and use it. You go in there. You can get game previews. It'll section it off by sport, section it off by game. It'll give you content around video stuff. It'll give you analysis, betting information, really all covered there in the game preview piece. And also, the game wrap-up piece as well so you're not sitting around watching one of the big sports networks and kind of waiting for them to give you highlights of the game that you want to check out you just go right in there and just interact with it on the content that you want and it's all there every game's covered it's an absolutely awesome app for uh, kind of just getting ready for to watch games and then kind of catching up on what happened after so CBS Sports HQ download it now No other strings attached. You're just going to download it, and you will use it for all your sporting needs. CBS Sports HQ. Go check them out. Cleveland goes in and plays Cincinnati. I'm laughing because, well, last week we walked into Andy Dalton, the 2% start in cash um, uh, on DraftKings, and it was looking real bad in the first half um, against a Dolphins team that had just really given up to quarterbacks. But they got there because he went completely nuts in garbage time and actually turned it into – Sort of a non garbage yeah, time. not I, so garbage yeah, time. turned it exactly. into, into a miracle overtime. Uh, so I think, you know, result, the results in the end got there, but it was feeling a little nervous, a little dicey there through the first half. Now <laughs> they get this Ohio <laughs> matchup. I don't know. Yeah, if there's the motiva- for Ohio. There's motivation around like a rivalry here between two bad teams, one who has massively underperformed expectations this season. That would be the Browns. No one was really expecting much from the Bengals here. Um, We also, the other funny piece about the Cincinnati game, and I'm just wondering, you know, where we project some of these guys, is that Joe Mixon was walking into Miami last week as very much looked like he was going to be just a smash chalk play. And then about two hours before the game comes out, it sounds like he just can't, he's got a stomach bug. And this is the first time, I'm going off, we will go faster through another game, but this is the first time where I actively lowered a projection based on a pregame video, not the first time, I think I've done it before, but this one, a pregame video of watching Joe Mixon walk onto the field, um, where well, I was like, well, that looks like a guy who's trying to keep it in. <laughs> <And> I just <laughs> went from like 22 carries down to like 18, and it ended up being correct, he looked really bad. What do we do here with either one of these teams? Nothing to play for. And really, neither of them have had anything to play for for weeks, and that hasn't stopped them from kind of going out there and being at at, at times fantasy viable on both sides
1: of the ball. Yeah, Mixon's been playing his heart out too, by the way. Well, the Brown, the whole Bengals team. Like I've watched more Bengals than I probably planned on doing in the last few weeks, Um, mostly because I hurt my ankle and I've been staying around and watching more football instead of doing other things. But the game against Miami. He was out... Mixon was out there on the field for 23 carries, right? Against New England, they fought them tooth and nail in the first half. Mixon touched the ball 28 times. The prior week against the Browns, the Bengals hung. They lost just 27-19. to Mixon touched the ball 27 times. And the prior week against the Jets, that was their one win of the season. And Mixon touched the ball 23 times. I think you can be very aggressive with Mixon's projection here. Hopefully, his belly doesn't hurt anymore because it, it was a little sad watching that video. I was also uh, among the many thousands of people dying laughing, uh, just because we've all sort of been there, right? Like, but that's normal. People just get to stay in bed when we feel that way. Right. <laughs> but Mixon gets paid millions of dollars, and they're like, "Yeah, ultimately, buddy, if you do a little poo poo in your pants, like, it doesn't bother us. Like, just get out there and do your best." Uh, so, yeah, the fact that they even rolled him out there, it was kind of a little surprising to me. Again, they have nothing to play for, but these teams just, their motivations are, are unknown at this point. Uh, one thing we know about the Bengals is that they have locked up that first overall pick, so they're free to go crazy and try to win this game. And for Cleveland, the season's just been such a resounding embarrassment that I can't imagine that they won't lose this game. And Freddie Kitchens has got to be coaching for his job here, right? So I think, yeah, from top to bottom, this is another team or another game that I think we can assume that people are going to play their full snap. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. Um, I think we can be aggressive on this projection. I'm less, I'm less wanting. I, mean, I don't really want to play anyone for especially for cash from this game. Um, I, and I really don't want it. the Cleveland's have been such a mess. And I do feel like if I'm if I'm just trying to make a guess at we use the word motivation a ton in this podcast, but you know, just trying to make a guess, I'd be much, I'd much rather trust the Bengals side. They're at home they've kind of been this kind of team for many weeks now. Whereas Cleveland right. they do kind of get the sense that they're like, just get us out of this, you know, <laughs> like have that final, have that thing tick down to zero and we'll try again next year or, or, and we'll see who's still, you know, we'll see who's still even around here next year. Like, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they walk out and, and say, hey, this is our time, like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll really turn it on this week. But I, if I'm just having to choose between the two teams, I, I really don't trust anything about the Browns at this point, uh, whereas I do think I trust the stuff around the Bengals. Uh, Tyler Boyd saw a lot of targets again as well, so I think he's a fine sort of like middle, yeah, play. middle-tier play here as well. Um, so anyway, more, a little more interesting than you would think between two teams that have been pretty bad all season, uh, but there, uh, there's definitely some fantasy viable stuff in this game. Miami goes in and plays the Patriots. Uh, Miami is, or excuse me, the Patriots are sixteen point home favorites here in a game <laughs> that uh, they probably. Well, I guess they they ha, they don't have to win, obviously, but the home field is still kind of on the line. Um, but it really appears like this game should be over quick. And we've seen Miami be feisty. Um, you know, they've they they're clearly still trying here. The Devonte Parker and Fitzpatrick thing is kind of a real thing, but. I don't know. Which, to be clear, New, New
1: England could lose a first-round first bye if they manage to lose this game. So I think you have to assume that New England's going to try their best. You're not going to play anyone on the Miami side with a combination of them being Miami and the Patriots being the league's best defense this season. But on the Patriots' side, they're going to try and win this game. I, I don't know if that means people only play the first half and they're up by 20 and they get pulled out. But I think it's for them this week, it's more your generic blowout concerns. And for the Patriots, that often means that you can get at least three quarters out of their best players. So I, I do think there, are, there is a case for playing... <laughs> Your buddy Tom Brady, he was showing up in lineups at the very beginning of the week. He's cheap. He's got this matchup that has made guys like Andy Dalton into all-star level yeah. quarterbacks. Any case at all for Tom Yeah, Brady? There, there is I a think case. it's pretty My, compelling. Yeah. yeah,
0: Miami's so bad. There is a case. The reason I kind of lower Brady a little bit, I lowered the opportunity a little just because I feel like there's a very good chance this game's completely out of hand by the second half, right? Like, they come out, and they're just like, let's just have this be over in the first half, basically. And I think that there's... That's the only reason I wouldn't want to start him in cash. And by the way, we started quarterbacks in Miami, like nearly on lock this season for cash. Like that's been thing that we just certainly for the last like four or five weeks oh, on DraftKings. It's felt that way. <laughs> yeah. Like, we just like, I, there's, there's been a lot. I mean, like I just mentioned, Andy Dalton, um, you know, started Carson Wentz. We start a lot of these guys against Miami and the only reason I don't want to do it against, uh, with Tom Brady is I'm just worried that instead of some like those, the 38 passing attempts we've seen for him, in some games, we just get a 30 passing attempt game and that can really do you dirty. And so, um, cause he's not he's also not going to run really at all. Uh, so I think the Brady thing, that's thats kind of what doesn't, I don't really want to be there in cash. Uh, and I think that we could see like another just Sony, Michelle, he carried the ball 21 times last week. I think this game is lines up really well for him to kind of do that the whole game. And that's how they get into the playoffs. So I think ultimately, even though the matchup is great, I just don't really trust it in cash. The spreads, it's mostly just because the spread is too high. I think that's kind of where I'm going to land here. Uh, yeah. Is here. Is that fair? I mean, we can move on, but the, that's, it's great. And we've, had no problem playing teams against Miami. And if this line was like minus nine, I don't know why it would be because New England's so much better, but I I feel, I feel better. It's like this, it's as this line creeps all the way up. I'm just like, Oh, these guys just might not even play the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah. That's fair to me. I think he's still not totally off my list altogether, but I, I can see why that should be in play there. All right. Chargers go
0: in and play the chiefs. Chiefs are eight and a half point home favorites here also with playoff uh, seating on the line, I believe, between uh, them and New England. I think um, they're going to be playing this game at the same time. Also probably scoreboard watching during this game too. What are your thoughts on uh, – so how do I describe this? So New England and – they're playing at the same time, but if Casey looks up at the scoreboard and New England's up like 28 nothing, let's say, on the Dolphins at halftime. I'm making this mm-hmm. up. I'm making this, like, this motivation up. At that point – Casey would have nothing to play for. Is that correct? Like, if they, if they, if that game, if like New England is completely wrapping the game up and New England, or excuse me, Casey sees, I'm doing a bad job describing this, but Casey sees this, could we potentially have motivating issues in this game, even though it really wouldn't have anything to do with their game, right?
1: Yes. The only thing that matters for Kansas City is them winning and New England losing. So, if there's any chance that New England can lose, I think they have to keep putting forth that good faith effort because like I said before, a first-round buy is just so significant, and you would really hate to throw away uh, p- playing your first-round game against the Chargers rather than having to play one of the real teams uh, that's going to come out of the AFC there. Uh, I guess it would be Tennessee or Pittsburgh in all likelihood. So, yes, they're, they're going to try up until the point where it's obvious that New England has locked up that game. Uh, Vegas sees the Chiefs, you know, depending on where you're looking right now, still is pretty healthy favorite. So, you know, that to me indicates that they assume that this game is going to go a certain way. And it doesn't have to be Mahomes and company that are the ones that bring that home, right? Like, right. If they, they could just as easily get up 14 by halftime as well and then look at the scoreboard and think, uh, eh, you know, Mahomes a little banged up earlier this season. Tyreek Hill's had his issues. Uh, even Kelsey, what are we doing out here? Like, let's, let's just bottle everyone up and go curb stomp the Titans next week. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I think... It's close to a stay away for me. I think it's a really interesting big tournament target for this reason too. Because say New England is you know playing a one score game in Miami. I think you could see the Chiefs just go for the jugular here. And that could lead to some really, really big fantasy totals. But at least in the passing game side, I would be concerned. Now on the running game side, I am curious to know what you think. Because they have Damian Williams there, Spencer Ware now in the IR. And Sean McCoy was just a healthy scratch you know, whatever they, they figured last week, like, we'll just not put you even on the roster. Damian Williams last week, he doesn't really do a whole lot, but he did touch the ball 19 times. And in a game where the Chiefs are favored by nine points and have questionable motivations for running out the really indispensable parts of their offense, could you see him touch Topping 20 touches because he's really, really cheap here. And if you give him anything like high teens touches, he's going to start showing up in cash game lines. Yeah,
0: he's in. He's on all of our DraftKings lineups right now, 4,700. I think people are going to really look at this and ask themselves what it's going to have. It's been very difficult to trust the Chiefs' running game situation this season. Like you mentioned, the McCoy thing, they've shoveled up, they've had some injury stuff too. Damian Williams has been hurt this season. So it's been, it, mm-hmm. there is some, you know, some of the uncertainty is around the injury stuff. But Anytime you just have this like sort of like revolving door, it feels this way of running backs. They're just kind of coming coming in and out. They kind of Darwin Thompson's around. Like they just have other guys. And so, Spencer Rare, I know they put him on the IR. He still played twenty four snaps this week. Like Lashawn McCoy could just go back in and take those snaps. I don't know. This is a very weird situation to me. I want. I, I probably in the end will just say at forty seven hundred on DraftKings, it's just fine. And it's going to be hard to imagine him to completely murdering you at that price. Anything more than that, I, I would have real questions about you know if this is going to be the clear plan is to get get him you know close to twenty touches again in a game. I I just don't trust it's mostly just the team. I just don't I just don't trust the Chiefs. That's my that's my big problem. Uh, what about the Charger side? Some people wanted to play Keenan Allen last week. Um, still, he, they've seen some target share from this team. Um, I'm totally out on the running backs, but what any any thoughts on the Chargers?
1: Yeah, you're not going to play these guys in cash games, I don't think. Uh, Allen's still getting the targets. He's not doing a whole lot with them this game could have a really weird game script the chargers they're just a bad team with nothing to play for you know i, I don't see any reason to prioritize Allen when you have really good options in a similar price point it's a road game in kansas city like there's just a lot pointing against them here that being said Allen could i mean he's gotten 10 targets each of the last two weeks you could see him really do something say if the chargers find themselves in garbage time and just are playing for pride or something that could lead to a big allen game but it and a lot would have to go right for that to work for cash.
0: All right, let's get into the 425 games. Um, we, have the, we have a bunch of... We're all over the map here in terms of motivation <laughs> as well. I'll try to kind of start moving through some of these because there's a huge slate. Uh, Washington goes in and plays Dallas. Dallas, 10.5 point favorite. They mm-hmm. are, to me, in the similar boat as the Chiefs, right? Because they do not control their own destiny. They have to win, but they're going to be scoreboard watching with the Eagles, who are playing the Giants. So... Because the, if the Eagles win, they win the NFC East. What a mess! What a, the Dallas season has been. There's point differential. It's crazy that they're even in a situation with their point differential. Their point, to, Dallas's point differential this season is plus 82, um, and they're for the fourth
1: best in the AFC. Three points behind the Saints, and, by the way. right? And they're <laughs>
0: under 500. It's crazy. I, it's like it's, it's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard to do that in a football season. So, uh, Jason Garrett probably coaching for his job. It might not even matter anyway. What do we want to do here? Because if we have. A Kind of just a full Cowboys stack showing up in our projections. Yeah, I wouldn't. I
1: wouldn't worry about motivations on the Cowboys end. There's absolutely no chance that Dallas, at home with Jerry Jones sitting in that luxury box, just starts pulling out all the good players and finishing the season seven and nine instead of right. you know trying to at least hit five hundred. They're going to be out there playing. Uh, there's just no question in my mind at all. So I think Zeke, fantastic play. You know, we've looked at Michael Gallup recently. He finally got back up. He's been sort of a Jekyll and Hyde thing for Michael Gallup, where he goes 10 targets, three targets, back to 11 last week. The conversion percentage on Gallup's targets hasn't been phenomenal, and I think there's plenty of of reason why he could not get there, but at least in terms of a big tournament target, he looks really interesting. Uh, I think I put Cooper in that big tournament category as well, just because he can get there. He's got that explosive talent. But Dak this season, the accuracy has just been a real issue, and you know it makes sense right when you have a shoulder injury that's nothing to mess around with and in a league that requires incredible precision to do anything you know that just becomes a problem pretty quickly so for me the dallas passing game big tournament only zeke though great cash game running play
0: yeah i think i'm pretty much there i wrote up dak and i wrote up Carson wentz together in the quarterback uh cash game quarterback piece um I think it's really going to, for me, it's going to come down to one of those two guys. Um, they're very similar. Yeah, I prefer
1: Wentz there. You know, head-to-head, maybe we can do this Giants game next. I, I prefer Wentz there just because you're paying less for it, and yeah, I just don't have the health concerns. You know, he's been at least completing 60 70% of his passes on a week-to-week basis. The floor has been there. For Dak at this point, I'm very concerned about the injury.
0: Yeah, and I guess you could say maybe Dallas has a slightly worse matchup here against the Redskins defense that has been better. Then the, uh, yeah, we'll do the Eagles. We'll do the Eagles Giants game here next. Um, but that, the well, the, Red can, the
1: Redskins can pressure the quarterback. They can rough tack up a little bit. Like, man. And they've no been, I mean,
0: sense. the Giants have been the kind of feisty too, but the Redskins have been, now they're going to be playing without Dwayne Haskins. He's on the IR. It doesn't matter. From the offensive piece, I, their offense is, is a mess. Terry McLaurin is on oh, yeah. concussion protocol. The <laughs> offense is a full blown mess. Dallas should easily walk away with this game and famous last words on the, on the Cowboys because they have nothing's been easy for them this season. So I think I'm with you. I think Zeke is a guy. He's going to be in that group like that Aaron Jones group of probably staring down ownership on him and ultimately probably just siding with the, with the Zeke thing and just saying, hey, give us give us one more big high usage game here in a mm-hmm. game that they absolutely have to win. Uh, and I'm with you on the Dak concerned about the about the shoulder. He's been one of the best for the season. Been one of the best um, points per game quarterbacks. And he's really actually been, outside of Lamar Jackson, been the most consistent uh, among that group. And last week just looked so crazy weird against the Eagles, where just the balls were everywhere. I mean, they did drop some easy ones. Like Lamar Cooper looked like he had heard bad news before the game and just didn't even want to play. It was like he was, like, was mm-hmm. so weird watching him. So, anyway, really weird team. Um, and ultimately, I think we're going to probably want to default to having a few of these guys in cash. The Giants and Eagles, uh, they're playing at the same time. The Eagles are on the road against the Giants. Who played that game? Like we mentioned uh, against the Redskins last week, where Saquon Barkley went completely crazy. This game, Philly is only four point road favorites here. This is not, this is not what you would expect to see from like a team trying to find for the playoffs and the team with absolutely nothing to play for. This is a very thin spread. Um, yeah, guys like Wentz we just talked about. I mean, what are your thoughts here? Miles Sanders is interesting. Ertz has gotten is banged up, but is a guy we wanted to play in cash. And then we'll talk quickly about Saquon.
1: Yeah, I think Sanders great cash game play this week. I don't mind starting my running back slot with him. He's cheaper than the the other sort of top options, and he's getting opportunity just you know just like any of them right now. Uh, 25 touches against Washington that he turned into 172 yards and two touchdowns last week against Dallas. 26 total looks and 156 yards and a touchdown. So. I think he's got opportunities as good as anyone right now. He's doing a lot with that opportunity. Real quick, uh,
0: pause on him real quick because a quick question. Jordan Howard is coming back this week. Does that matter for you at all? He's been out. Not really. Sanders
1: has just been so good, and I I don't really worry myself too much with Jordan Howard. The note I saw on Howard was that he's still been limited in the same way he's been recently is there definitive news that he's Uh, maybe i misread
0: the note um because i could have sworn i read a note that said he was gonna be back i didn't really give him much opportunity uh, so it didn't matter i just was wondering sort of if you were to play if that affected your sanders love at all um what about the tight end situation here goddard was the big tight end look here 12 targets last week now Ertz did leave the game um i think he set out at least a quarter with a rib injury he did come back and play but goddard finished with 12 targets whereas Ertz only had six uh, and then they kind of spread out. Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, and Greg Ward were like 6'65 six, six, uh, targets. Uh, thoughts here on the Eagles passing game?
1: Yeah, my thoughts on the Eagles passing game is that if Ertz is out, Dallas Goddard's a phenomenal play. If Ertz plays, Ertz is probably solid. The note I saw on Ertz, which made me laugh, was that he is legitimately questionable heading into this game, as opposed to like all those throwaway questionable tags that we're seeing across the league. Uh, The beat writer there said that, yeah, he could actually miss this one with the rib injury. So I... Well, maybe I should actually scale this back. I don't know that you want to play Ertz, given that questionable tag. We saw that he can leave mid-game, even with everything on the line for the Eagles, and we've seen Goddard be a very, very, sorry, uh, suitable fill-in, and I think uh, Goddard's... Not that cheap right now, but if I had to pick one, I might just go with Goddard here. I don't know. Yeah,
0: I, the tight ends a little weird. We we're showing up. We're showing. We haven't talked about many tight ends in this in this podcast. But we did write up uh, Ertz and Goddard. I, I, OJ Howard, I think still think it's interesting at 5,500. I'm just going back a game just to like, make sure I nod to a couple of these guys. I think Higby is still sort of interesting. Uh, I'm not sure I want to pay sort of peak pricing on Ertz if there's some injury issues, even if you were to play. And again, this is a very good matchup with a nice high total and a game that Eagles have to. This, if you're if yeah. you're looking for like the one one of the teams where there's and there's very few of them that just control their own destiny, and it just they're gonna every single guy is gonna see max opportunity. The Eagles do check that box. Like it would be nice to have that. It would be nice to yeah. have Wentz. Been ultimately probably nice to have Sanders. And I think we'll try to figure something out with the passing game. What about the Giants side? They, they leaned on Saquon Barker. Barker looked awesome last week against the against the Redskins. He was essentially like the play of the day. He carried the ball 22 times for 189 at a touch. He also got <laughs> 90 through the air for a touchdown. Um, no problem there with any injury stuff. And they had no problem giving the ball just a crazy amount. Played every single snap. Do we want to go peak usage on a home game against the Giants? That they... Say to themselves, "Hey, look, we've been trying. Like we would love to up, we love to be the team that upsets the Eagles here and just like sends them home." Oh with- yeah, Dude, the they're going to
1: definitely be all in on if they played that hard against the Redskins last week. There is no reason at all why they won't get their, you know, their big duo in Danny Dimes and Saquon Barkley and try to just absolutely stick it to the Eagles. The only bittersweet thing would be is that it would benefit the Cowboys, right. who I'm sure they're also not huge fans of. But there is something more about that. Like we saw how tough the Giants played the Eagles in their last meeting. It Barkley touched the ball 21 times in that game, and he's just been excellent the last couple weeks. Yeah, but Barkley, very, very high floor here, and... I count the Giants as one of those teams trying to play for something. So
0: Yeah, I think um he's there's going be a, it's a weird list here of running backs. I think there's a lot of and weird in the sense that I can find reasons to play a lot of guys this week, right? Like we can like mm-hmm. we've we've already mentioned a bunch of right? there's there's a few more too. Like Barkley, Zeke, Aaron Jones we mentioned, Al- Alvin Kamara, uh Miles Sanders. Like that's a pretty long list and really ultimately and plus we have some high players wide receivers that we really really like. I think there's going to be some it's there's going to be some really cl- really close decisions around some of these very high priced yep. guys in a week that we just don't often see that because. Usually, just very, and I think the other problem too is, which I, I sort of nodded to, is that this this is the biggest slate of the year because every team is playing, right? We don't get the Thursday game and the Monday night game and all that stuff. They, they basically, except for that Seattle-San Francisco game, we're getting a, a absolutely full player pool, uh, and I think that's going to make the decisions yeah. a little difficult as well. I think we can move past this game pretty quickly. Oakland goes in and plays Denver. Denver three and a half point favorites. I, I Josh Jacobs may or may not play. I. Is there anything I'm missing here? Like the, the, the quarterback, Lock, Sutton, Lindsay, I guess was decent. Uh, any thoughts quick on this game?
1: Yeah, so Oakland's can still theoretically oh, make the playoffs. I forgot about that. And that's right. I not oh, By the, the way, major real thing quick, you want real, to keep in mind. The,
0: you want to talk about like the opposite of Dallas? The fact that Oakland is even. They've been outscored by 105 points this year. They have a minus 105 <laughs> point differential this season. They're 7 8. Same record as the Cowboys. How, how stupid. If you're like, you're like, what the hell's going on here? Like, how's this team even. Close
1: to consideration, but I forgot about the Oakland. Keep, keep going. I forgot about that piece with Oakland. So I just, I love this super convoluted scenario. So follow me for a second. If Oakland wins and Pittsburgh loses and Tennessee loses and Indianapolis wins, then Oakland would get a strength of victory tiebreaker over Pittsburgh if one of the following teams wins. Detroit, Chicago, the Chargers, or New England. Oh, because <laughs> so, like those guys played
0: but, each other earlier, and so like it would like make the strength of victory. Like, I guess yeah. Fully, it's just yeah. it's
1: one of these things. So they need Indy to scoop their game at Jacksonville because that would put them all in a tie. That then Oakland would get that like whatever four way tiebreaker. Oh my God. So, but it's not outside of the, the realm of possibility. Well, that, that stuff sounds like that, it kind of happened. To be honest with you, like that. Well, so I mean, listen to this: Pittsburgh plays at Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore is sitting Lamar Jackson, but Pittsburgh's offense. They could have a difficult time scoring against Alabama right now. Like, th- this is a really, really bad offense. And Tennessee goes into Houston. Houston's not playing for anything, but th- incidentally, they're sort of playing for the opportunity to get an actually good team out of the playoffs. Like, who in the AFC would rather Tennessee make the playoffs over Pittsburgh or Oakland, <laughs> right? right? Like, they're going to I, – I think you could see Houston at least try something there. I don't think it's a lock by any means – there's certainly plenty of possibility, but you know Tennessee and not a lock to win that game in my mind. So anyway, all that to say, I think Oakland tries their best to win. I don't know exactly why that matters for DFS purposes. Um, I think if Josh Jacobs plays, he'll he'll get his carries, and you know you could like him for big tournaments. I think if Josh Jacobs is out, DeAndre Washington, dug back to sixty three hundred in a game where Oakland is gonna. Put on their Sunday best and, and try to win this game. Is he a cash game oh, play? Jeff? I just can't even around. think. I can't believe we're discussing this. Um, I I don't think twenty six touches last week, hundred yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I paid I, the I, price for this. I, I,
0: I guess so. I I honestly, I have gotta be honest. I was not a guy I was really thinking about mostly because I was just kind of assuming Jackson or Jacob was coming back. And my bad for because realizing that there was this game actually mattered. So. Uh, yeah, I guess I wasn't really prepared to think about him as the cash game play. I had really lowered the opportunity mostly because again I thought Jacobs was going to sure. come back
1: and play. So that's, well, Jacobs, Jacobs is on is on track to play, I believe, but it's just not a sure thing. You know, with that you shoulder give, injury. If you give DeAndre Washington
0: um, his Week sixteen opportunity at sixty three hundred, like you'd be. I okay, guess. So I guess the question more would be like this: If, if Jacobs doesn't play, would you rather play? Would you play DeAndre Washington or uh, Devontae Freeman? Because they're they're very similarly
1: priced. I think that. Oh man, I just saw a crazy note on Jacobs. Apparently, he put on Instagram in the middle of the night tonight, we're recording this on the 26th, that he had shul- surgery on Wednesday. And so it hasn't been listed on the Raiders report just yet. But if that is true, then he would almost certainly miss. It would be injury on that, or, uh, surgery on that shoulder. And that would mean he would miss. And then, uh, yeah, Washington would be the go-to guy. I would play Washington. I don't, I don't see any reason why not. The opportunity is there. This is a team that's going to be motivated to try their best. I, I, Denver's a good defense, but getting a, a running back one at 6,300 is a, a you know pretty palatable option. So uh, Denver this season, you know they've been a good defense overall, but they're um, basically only middle of the pack in terms of their rushing DVOA. So oh boy, yeah, I it's can't. A <laughs> funny, funny situation, Doug. Funny one.
0: Sort to, to hyperventilate here with some of these scenarios. Like I, uh, we got, <laughs> it. we got this. We got I felt Lindsay's actually interesting too. Like Oakland's a very bad defense, and he touched the ball 19 times and uh, on the ground and three through the air. Still got some – definitely has some snap count issues. And I, probably, I you can't prioritize yeah. a guy like Lindsey with all these other running backs who just – their opportunity is totally set. And he's been very good on a per-touch basis this season. Uh, so I think he's a, he's an interesting uh, GPP play. Not, not a cash – Yeah, player, I like I
1: that. Freeman touched the ball 12, 11 times last week too. So I don't know that you want to just like – and he had a rushing touchdown, which you hate to see if you're right. playing a running back. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you that big tournament target seems very viable. Tennessee last week
0: sort of – by proxy, arrested their guys last week? Not really. Um, they had a game that they didn't, you know, you know uh, Tannehill played, but Derrick Henry sat. Though it looked like if the game had meant something, he would have he would have played. They really didn't give mm-hmm. A.J. Brown the ball at all, except for the one run where he scored a touchdown. I'm a little confused by this team, though, because it seems like when you look back at that game, you realize, oh, they really just didn't have anything to play for, and that might be the right. opportunity issue. Because if you go back two weeks, A.J. Brown had 13 targets in that game, and Derrick Henry touched the ball a ton, Like, and this is a game they want to win. I know they're on the road. AJ Brown, should I be creeped out by last week's just almost complete no-show? <laughs> because he's a guy that our system kind of wants to slot into cash games at around 7,200 on FanDuel. I, I I hate to look back at that one game log, and I'm also willing to explain some of that away because I just think they knew, hey, let's just not, let's not go completely nuts here. This game doesn't mean a ton for us.
1: Yeah, the game meant, I think, basically nothing last week. Just, again, it's like sort of a scheduling quirk where – it mostly came down to them beating Houston and then what Pittsburgh did specifically in their games. Because if if Pittsburgh had won both of their games, then they would have won the head-to-head tiebreakers against Tennessee. But if Pittsburgh lost either of those games, then Tennessee would win a head-to-head tiebreaker. And obviously either team would win if they wind up with more wins than the other one. So um, it last week actually meant nothing for their playoff picture. And they were certainly aware of that. Uh, Tennessee media was talking about that early in the week and I'm sure the team that didn't escape the team either um so going into this game now they need to win uh they need to win or both Pittsburgh and Indy need to lose and so yeah the gloves are going to come off they're going to play their absolute best here they go up against this Texans team that has everything locked up and I think that's sort of an odd situation to forecast uh right now Vegas certainly believes that the Texans aren't going to take this game very seriously, as Tennessee is three and a half point favorites in Houston. So I tend to trust that, uh, given that you know Vegas has a lot more on the line than anyone else would in a scenario of trying to project how this game will go. So, yeah, I think these Tennessee guys, uh, both A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, uh, interesting targets really in any format.
0: Yeah, I think we're gonna probably end up playing AJ Brown and Cash, and it again feels yeah, again I like
1: feels we would never usually
0: not do that after a no-show week, but I think that again, I think we have enough reasoning behind it. Uh, and I I wanted to be like real bullish on DeAndre Hopkins with no Will Fuller, but like, I don't. There's just a good chance these guys aren't playing in the second half. There's, they're not gonna sit the start, but I just can't imagine they put it on the line. Uh, no, with, don't play any Texans. Yeah. Pittsburgh is two-point home road favors against Baltimore, who's gonna sit their starters. Mark Ingram suffered an injury; he's not gonna play, and Lamar Jackson's gonna sit. I wrote up Robert Griffin for cash. Uh, Robert Griffin. I, hmm. well, you know, let me. I guess I'll try to make the case here. He he's there yeah. specifically. He's there specifically to run the exact same scheme that Lamar Jackson does. He's not Lamar Jackson, um, so no one's accusing him of that. But it's not like they're just going to change their offense. They're going to run the same sort of RPO thing that they've been doing. And I, I imagine Robert Griffin sees this as just a crazy opportunity to be like, hey, other teams, notice what we did this season. Notice what Lamar Jackson did this season with this team. Anyone else want to take a stab at this next season? You know, like see, turn more, some more of these guys like that or sort of maybe this run first quarter quarterbacks into viable just NFL options. He's very cheap on DraftKings at 5,100. It's a little weird to make a projection on him because you're kind of coming out of nowhere with it. And it's such a different profile than mo- any really any other quarterback has at this point. And I don't know, 5,100 feels like a pretty high floor for a guy who could just run a lot in this game. You know what I mean? Like he could... 50 60 rushing yards off uh, is that out of the realm of possibility like I I don't know I, I wish it, I wish it was a slightly worse defense this is the only the, my only issue right. Pittsburgh's a very good defense that's like that's really my only case against it I, everything else I kind of want to be really aggressive here with Robert Griffin specifically around that price of 5100 on DraftKings
1: yeah well and the other piece of course is that Pittsburgh playing for absolutely everything here and the combination of those factors makes me not want to play Griffin on FanDuel but yeah DraftKings if we are willing to play Andy Dalton at 5,400, you can bet your sweet ass, Doug, that we'll play Robert Griffin at 5,100. Right. I, don't, I don't see any reason why not. I mean, yeah, the Pittsburgh defense is pretty good, but that doesn't make them impervious to being, you know, victims of extreme athleticism, right? And I think Griffin, uh, you know, he's been out there just a little bit this season. He hasn't looked electric when running the ball. Um, and actually, this was Lamar Jackson's essentially worst game of the season again. Yeah, it was <laughs> going up against Pittsburgh it was Lamar Jackson's very worst game of the season. He scored 14 fantasy points. Heck, if you could pencil Griffin in for those 14 fantasy points, uh, you'd be pumped on a $5,000 salary. So yeah, I think it's workable at, at that price point, but I would be nervous to do it on FanDuel. Yeah, no, times. not,
0: fa- not a FanDuel play for me at all, but DraftKings, I think the price is going to be, this would be another one that's kind of like a close decision. Ultimately, maybe we just default on the Wentz piece because you're not paying so much more for Wentz. If, um, or like Prescott, I guess, but the quarterbacks we discussed. And I find that, yeah, the Robert Griffin thing, I was you said they're playing for absolutely everything. I, I kind of feel like Robert Griffin's playing for everything here. Like, this is just like, I, I do feel, and it's funny too, it's like playing for everything in a way that doesn't have the risk around like a Will Greer coming in and having to throw a bunch of passes. Like the fact that he's playing for more, playing for this, and kind of controls his own floor because he doesn't, doesn't rely on the pass catching as much. I think that's as much as where I'm, I'm leaning toward it as more than anything else, right? Like,
1: I also think from the Ravens' perspective, it doesn't hurt them at all to give Robert Griffin like a legitimate look at what a real game environment might look like, right? right. Because You know, these running quarterbacks, like Jackson could just miss a half at some point during these playoffs, right? He's been pretty durable this season, but there's no sure things when it comes to guys who are going to carry the ball 15 to 20 times a game out of the quarterback position. So, yeah, I think they have every motivation to try to make it work for Griffin this week, um, even if it's just as an insurance policy for Jackson. That's
0: crazy, man. Week 17, we're talking about Robert Griffin and cash against the Steelers. (laughs) I can't just say that. This is what mean. It sums up the whole podcast here. Indy goes in and plays. Uh, Jacksonville. Uh, they are three and a half point road favorites here. You said that
1: Indy does still have something to play for or no? I um, I don't believe that they do. Most of their <laughs> this is kind of funny. Most of their role in this playoffs is if they win they can create these multi-way tiebreaker scenarios of which they lose all of them. <laughs> so basically they, just, they can play spoiler by winning creating multi-way tiebreakers and then you know, just destroying the chances of some other team uh, that can make it. And so, so yeah, they're not they're not necessarily playing for anything. But the thing they are playing for, which I think means something to them, first of all, they could get good over their preseason total Doug, seven and a half yeah. wins. <laughs> so there's that. But more seriously, they could hit 500. And I think you know I, I've written this up in the past, and you know I've done these articles for us in the past that didn't happen during Christmas week uh, that that talked about these teams' motivations. I do think the team's playing to try to hit 500. I think that means something to them. So I would count on the Colts going out there and, and giving it their all. I think that is very much in play. Against Jacksonville.
0: Uh, and I think just from a fantasy perspective, I'm not really seeing much to really sink. You know, at times, we've played some of these Jacksonville guys, and I think that, that ship is pretty much over. I, nah,
1: we're not going to play any Jacksonville guys. But I think Marlon Mack, big tournament target for me, because uh, Jacksonville, like I mentioned earlier, is the second-worst rush defense in the NFL this season.
0: Uh, final game, Arizona goes in and plays the Rams. Rams finishing off a very disappointing season. Uh, they've been eliminated from the playoffs after losing last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I That, to me, puts them... I don't know. The the fact that they just lost last week, it's hard to imagine. Now it's a home game, but, I, uh, but I'm not sure what that really means for the Rams. They have had guys like Robert Woods had 11 targets last week. Tyler Higby had 11 targets. Cooper Cup has died. I don't know what happened to him. He's dead. Um, but like <laughs> he did catch a touchdown last week, so I guess he like...
1: Didn't look too dead when he scored a touchdown yeah, against that's me about in all the finals of my
0: <laughs> season-long fantasy. That's about all he did. Um, and then you know Todd Gurley touched the ball uh, 15, 16 times. They are five-point home favorites. I don't really trust their situation, especially from a cash perspective. But if they, if they went full out in this game, they have one of the highest totals of the week. This game is a 49 over-under with the Rams coming in, I believe, is the highest implied total, which makes you think, oh, maybe we should have our hands on some of these Rams guys. Uh, what are your thoughts here on the Los Angeles side?
1: I actually trust L.A. to play their guys. Um, you know, it's another team playing for... Being over 500 or not, uh, they're eight and seven right now. So finishing nine and seven, I imagine, would feel quite a bit better for them and their season expectations than finishing eight and eight. I like Tyler, Tyler Higby a lot. Uh, you know, we've been talking, like, if that situation in Philly looks pretty muddled heading into this week, Higby's expensive right now, but he's also the most consistent tight end in the NFL. Uh, 11, 14, and 11 targets each of the last three weeks, gone over 100 receiving yards in each of the last four weeks. And He's paid at this these prices in every single week, in spite of probably having some bad touchdown luck. Uh, he against his very Arizona team, uh, that was his first sort of breakout week where he caught seven balls for 107 and a touchdown. So I like Higby this week. I think um, I do think the Rams have more to play for than it appears, and I think you know he's an exciting young player. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't play him. So he and all that being said, he's probably the only Ram that I would be excited to see in my cash game, yeah. Models. And
0: then Gerald ever coming back didn't really affect the opportunity at all,
1: made um, no difference at all. Everett is a, is a meaningless piece on this team now that Higby has revealed himself. Um,
0: fi- and then finally, uh, I guess with Kenyon Drake, he had it coming off a monster week last week. The game
1: <laughs> six touchdowns the last yeah, two weeks that the, seems good.
0: The thing that everyone thought they would get with David Johnson with his first pick, Kenny Drake has done, um, or the, the first round pick uh, for season long. Kenyon Drake has done all of it and more yeah. basically over the last couple of weeks. Uh, can we play Kenyon Drake in cash? I mean, 24 touches uh, on the ground, four through the air, multiple touchdowns, tons of yards. Rams, I, I'm, you know, whatever they are, the defense hasn't been all that great this season. He's a guy on his opportunity is kind of showing up. Well, I guess the Rams are a top 10 DVOA defense, uh, so I take that back a little bit. But still, this game still projects for a high total. Can you play Kenyon Drake in cash?
1: Uh, you can think about it. He's expensive now. I think you have other options in a similar price range that I trust a little bit more. Like I mentioned Defonte Freeman earlier. <laughs> Man, running Arizona running backs as underdogs, seven point underdogs going into L.A. just seems a little bit problematic to me. And I'm also sort of reminded of drake's performance against the rams in december when he carried the ball 13 times for just 31 yards and only caught two of his five targets for 20 yards i think there's a little bit of a clustering effect going on with him having his two good games back to back i don't really know what's fundamentally different about his skill set or opportunity here uh, than it was prior to that so i don't think i'm quite as bullish on drake i get take it back he's getting more opportunity but i think looking back to that rams game from earlier this season something like 18 touches seems more realistic to me and I don't know that he's as much of a singular talent uh, to get there on 18 touches as some of the other guys that we're talking about anyway. So I would, I would prefer not to play Drake. Tyler
0: Murray um, is practicing, though it's unclear if he's going to play this week. He had a hamstring issue uh, that got Brett Hundley into the game last week. I... If there's, I, I, my assumption, if there's any question mark around Murray, he will not play in this game. Um, yeah. I just don't know why they would risk it. And uh, I don't know how some of these teams operate. So the line right now does not suggest that he's sitting. It's there with Rams minus seven. But I think you could, if Kyler Murray were to sit, I think you'd see this the line jump. Um, so I'm I'm, just, I'm using Vegas to kind of determine that this is, that Kyler Murray is going to play. And I would really want to keep an eye on this one. And that would, that would affect Drake for me as well, too. All
1: right. Yeah, and King, Kingsbury did come out and say that um, Murray was likely to play. And if the hamstring wasn't an issue, they wouldn't just sit him just for fun.
0: All right. daily dot com is the site DFSR.com dot com for short. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started on our projection system. It's going to take you all the way through the playoffs with the NFL, but it also covers you for basketball and hockey. We cover it all in one subscription package, so we don't section it off by sports. So if you sign up to get Week 17 football and then through the playoffs, you're going to get the basketball stuff as well. So DFSR.com slash deals. Try it out free for seven days and then just twenty nine ninety five a month after that. Buddy, enjoy what will ultimately be a very wild and wacky Week 17, I think.
1: I will, and I will.